podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. ¿Qué pasa, campeones? So welcome to the Churros y Tácticas Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 1st of June. We are one step closer to summer, ladies and gentlemen. And although the season may have come to an end, the action certainly isn't stopping. Neither in Can Barça and neither over at the Santiago Bernabéu. So much is happening in this offseason already and things have just gotten started. I want to give thank you to the creator of this podcast. A big thanks for holding down the fort over on Friday. My apologies for not being able to join the Churros on that occasion. But here with me is Kian. We're back as a duo, the dynamic duo that is of Churros y Tacticas and ready to delve into some dirty business. Why not? Let's get into it. What's going on, Kian? Well, I'm just really thankful that you pushed your mic away when you did that crazy intro because uh, it would have been really like just blowing up people's eardrums. Um, mm, Diego I, and I, I mean... off air before we started recording, we were trying to get his gain down low enough so that <laughs> <laughs> we don't we don't run into the same problem. It it could go even lower, Diego. To be honest, could go lower. But, Here we but go. it also could Let's be because lower. you were super excited on the on the intro that you know the gain could have been on negative and you would have blasted. You would have. Put the mic on blast. So uh, how am I doing? I'm doing well. You are right. It's just a bit crazy right now. It's off season. I always I forget about this every year somehow. That off season is actually much busier than the season itself. It's just I'm today I'm going to be on my fourth massive article within the week because Anthony wow. is returning. Mm. And I, to be honest, I haven't even started that yet. I've written the headline and then uh, I was preparing for churros and it's going to be a late night. And uh, <laughs> I haven't spoken. I haven't had any thoughts on Ancelotti yet publicly. I'm excited to disclose them, I guess. And I'm not I'm even excited. sure if I've even processed it to even formulate my, my accurate thoughts by the end of the day. But it's, uh, it's just one thing after another. And Real Madrid have an art at making you forget about the thing that, you, that they want you to forget about. Zidane's letter yeah. was 300,000 years ago. Yeah, move on quick. So it's uh, this is how they, it operates. So we're here. That's, that's such a times, Kian. You got to get with it. You got to go with it because as soon as you snooze just that one split second too soon, I feel like you're missed uh, an entire, you know, age worth of news. And, and like so much has happened since we last spoken. Uh, we haven't spoken about that Zizou letter, neither. Uh, of course, there's been new signings over at Can Barça, El Kun Agüero, Eric Garcia. You got your Jordi Alaba over at Real Madrid. Um, Jordi David Alaba. Alaba. David Alaba, of course. Love it. But uh, I'm going to use did that. Did you like that? Is yeah, that I like that. But, um, but the big news, really, yeah, at this point is is uh, Carlitos. Carlitos' way. Carlitos is making his way back to the Bernabeu, back over to Real Madrid. Um, somewhat of a curveball. I didn't see this one coming, but then again, maybe I'm too uh, focused and delved into the Barca matters to uh, have gotten my head out of the sand and uh, take a look around to see that that was actually a viable option. I thought they were going to go elsewhere, but it seems that uh, Real Madrid, like these uh, stints of uh, part twos, let's say, we saw it with Zizou, and now le toca a Carlos. Now it's uh, Angelotti's part two uh, over at uh, Madrid. It's, it's, it's his turn to come back. Well, twice now in the last few years, um, they've decided to go and dig up old coaches, which is fine. It's mm -hmm. not unprecedented, unprecedented 
in the uh, in the club's history. It's happened quite a bit. It's happened with you know, it's happened with Del Bosque. It's happened with uh, Di Stefano. It's happened with uh, uh, what's his name? Yes, Camacho, it's happened. T- it's happened with Capello. It's happened with numerous amount of coaches. It's happened. With Say Nicar- the name. Say the name. I want to hear who. The part two, uh, what's his name? I, I, I'm not saying the name because I can't think of it. <laughs> not Clemente, but the guy that after one day, he was like, I said Camacho. This room is- I said Camacho. Yeah, yeah. Camacho, Camacho, Camacho yes. Yeah, yeah. Camacho is the. Javier. Is it Javier Camacho? No, me acuerdo. no, no. And Jose Antonio Camacho. Jose Antonio, gracias. Should be noted sí, that señor. widely should be known for one of the, being one of the greatest left backs in Real Madrid history and not as a disaster manager. But, anyways, uh, having said that, so. I think, so this one's interesting. And, and to your question, like, you know, did we see it coming and stuff or maybe it came out of nowhere? It, it did to an extent come out of nowhere because of the managers that were um, discussed, which was Raul, Conte, Allegri, Pochettino, and yes. uh, really, and then, and then we're talking about Ancelotti. Raul, Castilla manager, okay, that's realistic. Conte, leaving Inter, that's realistic. Allegri was uh, jobless was realistic. Mm-hmm. Pochettino was under contract, but, um, you know, reported that he, he wants to leave and also they were want, they wanted yeah. to cover that contract. So Ancelotti was actually under contract. So I don't think he was really on the radar in that sense. I will say this points to a lot of different things. Um, why did Real Madrid decide to bring Carlo back? It's a loaded question, which um, I think, you know, requires a lot of different angles and kind of this holistic view to kind of decipher it. One, I think, these, one easy thing we can get out of the way. I don't think they were too enamored with the options, especially after Allegri didn't want to wait for Real and was, was mopped up. I don't think Conte was the main main option that the club really would have swooned over. I think he was just a option because he was out of a job. Mm. The other thing is a lot of people, a lot of people in the club, I think, felt Raul is a candidate for the future. Hmm. Possibly even you know by December of this year, if Ancelotti just it just becomes a disaster uh, by December and he leaves and Raúl just steps in. Uh, the other thing is that I think with the way the club's PR is right now, and it's not great, it's not good. It's it's a lot of hmm. a lot of criticism, a lot of distractions, uh, a lot of talk about why haven't Real Madrid signed players. Also, in conjunction to way the way Zidane left in his letter and asked yesterday on top of all of that there's also the separate discussion which ties into adding fuel to the fire is that they don't have any signings uh marquee signings to distract people right now yeah Ancelotti is in a lot of ways a guy that just makes sense for a club that is in a PR disaster he is not going to cause problems he is a completely respectful coach. He never talks shit about Real Madrid or the club. Uh, he had every right to complain into the 2014-2015 season when the club sold Xabi Alonso and Di Maria and replaced him with James Rodriguez and Tony Cruz. Uh, Cruz obviously was an incredible sign. But my point is that, you know, like-for-like like subs that just weren't there. We never got to replace Xabi and James was not his, his signing. Get a lot of reasons to complain and also when the club fired him unfairly he still didn't talk shit he said i would come back if the club asked me to he had good things to say about florentino paris so he's not a manager who's going to cause problems right and i think that's something that the club noted like okay like he's not going to be a distraction he's just going to come in he's not going to add fuel to the fire he will just 
try to basically not cause any problems. And he obviously had, was successful relatively. Uh, I think a lot of people would argue he was widely successful in those two years. And the only reason he didn't win a trophy in the second year was because the team was decimated. Um, now, we can also say p- potentially that part of that reason was because he also ran the team into the ground. He's not one that's big on rotations, but also he was he was also not given many options in midfield. And so there's all that. So that I think that's part of the reason why Real Madrid brought him in, whether it's a good call or not it's a different discussion but i think that's part of the reason why he was brought in is because from a pr standpoint he's not going to cause problems it's interesting isn't it it's a, definitely an interesting uh, option it's sort of one uh, i co-sign everything you just said in particular when you talked about it's it, it, it's the most peaceful option it's almost like <clears throat> they don't want to um uh, again like you said add more fuel to the fire they want somebody with a more um a demeanor that that really kind of i guess portrays a more uh, what's the word i'm looking for i don't know if it's peaceful but but it, 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 a calm demeanor right wow. it's it's yes uh, i think that's a, an accurate way to kind of describe it not to say that you're raul's uh wouldn't be and i'm a little bit surprised that raul was not being talked more about as a viable candidate uh because i still remember that even back in the day when booty was managing i want to say almeria i think it was almeria. yeah he was at almeria yeah right um his name seemed to be linked quite heavily with the madrid job at that moment and whereas raul was really hardly being talked about uh this time around even though, you know, I think he's been doing great things with Castilla. Obviously, he was on the verge of, of, of qualifying, uh, advancing, uh, and promoting the team to the next division. Um, now, I'm not a Castilla fan. I'm not, uh, that's not a team that I follow on a regular, definitely not a weekly basis. So I don't know how his coaching skills are. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I was surprised to see that Florentino j- didn't dump, jump on the chance to promote somebody from within the club the values that understands the values of madridismo that is of course a club legend a club idol um and seeing him not be a viable option surprised me to the point where mm, well now that angelotti has been chosen it, it I, I suppose it makes more sense and i never thought that as a, a realistic option seeing as quite recently i remember reading that he supposedly and this was in the paper but recently i read that he rejected the inter uh the inter de milan job so he seemed that he was quite happy over at everton now you know if real madrid uh, barca etc come knocking on the door it's of course a completely different question and I think Angelotti as well always again to reiterate your words was very gracious when it came to his words to towards uh, Real Madrid didn't hold any grudges for um, you know perhaps being mm, ejected out of his uh, manager seat uh, prematurely uh, he is of course the coach that won the Decima as well if I'm not mistaken as well as the Copa del Rey and uh, what else would it have been the Mundial the Copa maybe he won the club World Cup. He did. Uh, other than that, Cup. it was just the Champions League, yeah. The champ and and uh, the Copa del Rey, no? With with the famous one where Ramos. Oh, that's it. that's right. Yeah, yeah. The that was the final against Barca. Yeah. 
Um, so, so, you know, the, the, certainly bringing back in somebody, uh, I, I, I would say given the tumultuous times, you know, with the right characteristics to kind of, you know, ease the nerves down. Um, and now it's, we'll, we'll see, of course, who else they will bring, be bringing in. You talked about no major signings being done. I think Jordi Alaba, um, does rank among, you know, a, a marquee signing in the sense that, uh, you're talking about a player that was instrumental fundamental when it came to came to Bayern's uh, style of play and um so that's I mean that's already one it, it, but of course you know the times are what they are and news travels quickly and uh, memories are, are we, we all suffer from short-term memory loss so we want to see more right we want to see more we want to see uh these kind of transfers happen quickly in particular I suppose when you're looking over uh a little further east and you see that over in in barcelona that the the signings are coming in of course um you know we can debate here and, and discuss whether these are marquee signings of their own or if they uh would be more accurately described as your low-cost signings seeing as you know your your eddies and your coons have come uh on a uh a zero transfer fee or or uh, you know, I think they do get a signing bonus, though, right? Yeah. The managers for for coming, yes. Just like uh, just like Alaba. I mean, that's one thing. I I, I started off my Alaba like column Alaba, yes. from the weekend. I wrote an Alaba article on the weekend, and I started off just noting that this is both Real Madrid and Barcelona have kickstarted their transfer campaign in, right. at free agents, and we may look back on the yeah. summer as the signing as the summer of free agents because of the situation. Uh, but like you said, it's it's not actually it's not completely free, but it's cheaper than a than a regular transfer. But um, you know, so are are you? Could, 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 sorry, just to interject real quick, are you um, as surprised as me that Raúl was not more seriously considered as a potential candidate for the job? No, I think he was seriously considered, and yeah? I actually I actually okay. think that uh, if Carlo wasn't going to be an option, it was going to be between him and Conte because I don't think Poch, Pochettino would have um, eventually left PSG, and if he did, it, it probably was going to go back to Tottenham. I don't, I'm not sure. But I think Pooch really wants the, the Madrid job, no? Oh, for sure he does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think Raul definitely was seriously considered. But I, okay. I think ultimately one of the reasons why they really want to take their time with Raul is, um, well, one, it's Raul. I, I think a lot of people look at him as like a long-term figure in this club. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the more you can delay throwing him into the fire is probably the best. Uh, the other The other thing is that, they have him whenever they want him. So um, he can be a very easy plan B, right? So right. Raul's going to be there in December. He's going to be there at the end of next season. Um, so why, if, if there's another option that maybe you can put a plan A in front of him, then, uh, then why not do it that way? Um, mm-hmm. It's interesting looking at the perspective of fans, as you know, that um, I don't, I basically I'm at a stage where I never respond to anything, <laughs> but I do observe. I do observe the discourse and I see what everyone is saying. Everton fans, from what I've seen, are pissed because he's left a project he started now, right? Of course. Of course, um, of course we always so- note that anytime, James, uh, anytime uh, Carlo Ancelotti leaves a job, we have to uh, have a little mini obituary for James Rodriguez, who basically his whole career is following Carlo Ancelotti around and then, and then Carlo leaves him as soon as he gets there. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, James. Hope, uh, hope you can oh, recover man. from this one. And the other thing is that... Real Maybe Madrid he fans, will come back. Uh, I doubt it, but that would be something. 
uh, Real Madrid fans are a little bit on the fence on this side. Uh, sorry, they're actually not on the fence. There's two extreme views that I, from what I've seen. One is that a lot of these fans are clouded in nostalgia. They remember Carlo for the decima, and they remember Carlo for leaving, being fired when he shouldn't have been fired. They remember mm. that version of Carlo. I feel like mm. a lot of these fans are going to be a little bit disappointed when he comes back. Um, now, there's also the other, the other extreme view that a lot of people think that, that this ship has completely sailed and this is going to be a disaster. I really, I, from, from the start of this, tra- uh, from this uh, manager window, I was in the, in the camp that none of these names excited me, but none of these names horrified me either. I feel like we're just at slim pickings right now, and we're a little bit going into uncharted ter- uh, territory. These managers all had pros and cons. Raul, attractive brand of football, connection with younger players, commands of respect, but also unexperienced. Conte, yeah. a proven system, proven uh, domestic campaigns whereas, wherever he goes, but also a polarizing figure that can cause problems in the dressing room. Uh, Pochettino, good man manager at its peak, good tactician, but has, been, has had two years now of just we're not sure what the heck he's doing. Carlo Ancelotti, good man manager, doesn't cause problems, runs his players into the ground, um, and, and also doesn't have the greatest training methods. And also, he hasn't been great at Everton. Um, it's been up and down for him. So, and they've they invested a lot in that Everton squad to be tenth place. So, true. All good points. Uh, also, what we remember. What would have been your? Well, just to to finish off here, Diego, mm-hmm. we remember also Carlo the context of the squad he had was a dynastic squad. Ultimately, you know, um, I give Carlo a lot of, a lot of credit for reinventing players um, to a lot of, to a, to a large extent, what he did with Di Maria and reinventing him as a central midfielder to compensate for losing Chabi, the way he, he made the Cruz, Modric, Di Maria, um, but also, uh, and in different iterations, also when Di Maria left, the, the way he used James and Isco together, all of that was interesting to me and really groundbreaking. And he's done that with Milan in the past, you know, reinventing Pirlo too. He's good at that. But also the squad he had, like all of those legends were at their peak. He's going to come from uh, the BBC era to what do you call this era even? The B era with Vinicius um, and Hazard on basically on his last muscle fibers left. He's not yeah. going to have that anymore. I just feel like there's, it's a lot to live up to. It's a lot to live up to. I feel like disappointment is inevitable. A lot of my releases were celebrating. I don't blame them for celebrating. I don't, and I'm not saying they're wrong for celebrating, but my expectations of this are a little bit lower than, than them. Yeah. I'm just going over the um, article that's, now just got published, uh, making this announcement uh, announcement official on Marca. Official, Carlo Angelotti signs for three years. Uh, did you know that? Wait, is it official? Uh, since it's official now. Is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's now become official. Hmm. Uh, and along with the article, they've also added a uh, poll with uh, which says... What do you make of the signing or the return, let's say, of Angelotti to Real Madrid? And right now... Leading the pack with 62% or three options. It's estoy de acuerdo. So I agree. He did a great first uh, etapa, the first uh, stint. Um, bad. There were other better options. Or C, I would have chosen Raul. Right now, leading the pack with 62% is I agree. He had a fa- uh, he had a great first 
stint at Real Madrid. So, and the uh, other one is split 20 and 18% between bad or I would have chosen Raul. So um, I guess pretty much reflecting the sentiment that you were just uh, describing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, think no, I, that, I, I yeah, mm. go ahead. I, I think, you know, the interesting thing about uh, uh, Angelotti as well, of course, is, is not just his time with Real Madrid, but his curriculum is important. Uh, look at it from any angle. Uh, I think he has a total of three Champions League trophies, one uh, with Milan, of course, as well. And, um, you know, played under as a player under great coaches as well. He was, of course, part of that that fantastic Milan of uh, Rico Saki as well. And he's such a like boy. I, I, I get this option. Um, I think it's... Uh, you know, we'll see how he will fare. Uh, it's true that with Everton, it's been uh, underwhelming so much to the point where, where had you asked me who was Everton's coach right off the bat in the beginning of the show, I would have had to actually think about it and possibly even be reminded that it's actually Carlo Angelotti. Um, it's been quiet. We haven't really, you know, he hasn't been, uh, uh, you know, stirring up any waves in the uh, football world uh, while over at, at Everton, uh, even though he still had a long contract in place as well. I mean, it was around mid uh, the, the, the 20s, right? 24, 25. He still had a few years left on his contract. So think, they yeah. clearly, they are 24. So they clearly had placed a lot of faith, trust in him to uh, continue to lead this project. So I understand why Everton fans would be you know, quite upset with this. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, they, they have every right to be. Um, I suppose, you know, some managers may have turned it down out of respect for the project, but I also don't blame Carlo for, you know, and listen, if Believing I was a manager, <laughs> if, if Ray Amdre came knocking, I'd probably throw everything away and piss a lot of people off. <laughs> but... Um, I've never, I've never been to Liverpool. I certainly haven't lived there. I haven't even been there on a holiday. But if I could choose between Liverpool and Madrid as a city to live in, is Everton in Liverpool? I have, I don't have any grasp yes. of geograph geography in England. <laughs> Bro, the stadiums are literally across the road from each other. It's the okay, Derby, cool. Liverpool and Everton. Uh, yeah, Liverpool Derby. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh. No offense to anybody from Liverpool listening to this podcast. um i think they'll they'll be okay so so where does this matter man are you uh are are you seeing light at the end of the tunnel you got alaba you got carlo what's next is uh is uh ramos backing up and leaving do you want him to go do you want uh lucas vazquez to uh stay what's what what, what, what's next what's next basically uh, okay, on, let's, uh, the let's, roadmap uh, hold on so we're moving too quickly i, I still want sorry, to talk sorry, about sorry. carlo carlo oh please um, please please so i think it's worth noting that if you and by the way i i, I can't help but think this is going to end badly in some way mm-hmm. now what? the thing but the thing is all has everything ends badly so i suppose it's fair to have that assumption that because everything does end badly I wrote an article back in 2015. It was it was when Rafa Benitez's first sign, and uh, it was like 6,000 word article. I was a psychopath back then. Wow! And I think mm. I wrote it in like one day. <laughs> and uh, it, it and the title was called "Rafa Benitez is Doomed to Fail at Real Madrid." And uh, the whole article was basically going through Real Madrid's history 
and just outlined that every single manager was doomed to fail in Real Madrid history because nothing ends well. It's impossible. There's This is a club that gauges everything through process, through results rather than process. And uh, Ancelotti was no different. And Rafa Benitez was going to fail. Everyone was going to fail. Zidane was, you know, in a lot of ways, the most successful of the bunch. Um, it didn't end well. Um, so Ancelotti will fail. <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I would put it. And, you know, we can, you can define failure and then by any metric you want. Failure to me is just that uh, it's just not going to end well. That's just how it's going to go down. Now, I think it's worth noting that Ancelotti, you're, you're looking at a club that struggled to win league titles. And it's been largely mopped up by Barcelona in the last two decades or so. Um, Ancelotti has a terrible league record wherever he's gone. Um, mm. Oh, really? Is that so? Interesting. Yeah, he just does not win league titles. It's not. Huh. Now, you can argue, obviously, he's, I think, one of, if not the only manager who's won the European title with three different clubs. So his European track record is fantastic, all things considered. Um, you also reflect back on his Real Madrid big game record. And he's, in a lot of ways, the anti-Zidane. Zidane struggled in a lot of the smaller games. Uh, but his big game track record in the Classicos and the Derbies and the Champions League knockout rounds was incredible. Ancelotti in those Derbies and the Classicos does not have that track record. It's, it's largely underwhelming. He's, he lost a lot of those games. Hmm. So I just kind of worry about the domestic, the domestic landscape. I worry about the rotations. Uh, I worry about who his tribe will be, knowing that he does rely on a certain group of players constantly throughout the season. Um, and doesn't use his whole squad much. I worry about who those trusted allies will be in the squad. Uh, mm-hmm. I worry, you know, will he gravitate towards the older core or the younger core? Will it be a mix uh. of both? And will it be opportunities for the outside players looking in? What happens to Martin Odegaard? Um, you know, he's always liked using quote-unquote number 10s. That's why Isco, James, um, these guys were winners in his system. Will Odegaard get get some of the torch here. What happens to him? Um, those are all questions I have that I would like mm-hmm. to evaluate by December of next season to see what, how he's done there. And I'm very curious to see how he'll do. What about, I mean, you talk about some of those uh, older players that have played under his ranks. Lucas Vazquez, I'm just, I asked you about him very quickly. Uh, to search on some up to date on the latest because I know there was rumors of him uh, potentially leaving the club. And I'm Who, now sorry? reading that uh, Lucas Vazquez, oh, Vazquez I'm now yeah. reading that he's ready to sign uh, an extension, uh, a contract renewal, three yeah. seasons. Yeah. Is that, is that the. Is that fair? I mean, is that is Madrid, are the Madridistas happy with that? Or is that, uh, do they see that a kind of a step backwards when it comes to revolutionizing this uh, squad? No, I, I mean, I think that the Vas- I would have done the Vasquez renewal. I mean, there are some concerns given that he just came off of uh, a pretty, pretty big injury and he's uh, not that young anymore, but he's security. He's, uh, he's somebody that will always be there to give you security. He, was amazing at right back this season, all things considered. He was highly reliable. So I, I, I would have given Vasquez the contract. Ramos? I'm quite surprised by that. Okay. Good. Why? 
Well, because you've, I mean, we talked so many times about all of the, you know, attacking options that Madrid have, not just within their ranks, but also on out on loan. Mm -hmm. And I just feel that, uh, you know, with the little production that you're even getting from a player, the likes of Asensio, who you'd still have, would have hopes, at least if you're a Madridista, I would imagine have hopes that he will blossom into what we all thought he would when he came over from Mallorca. Um, and I feel that a player like Lucas Vazquez is kind of just had his best time at Real Madrid. And I would want to, I would prefer to give minutes to the younger generations, these younger, hungrier players who are really eager for minutes and eager to, uh, yeah, just have some continuity and, 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 and a chance to shine on a regular basis as opposed to continuously getting their progress interrupted. Uh, and that's not a knock on, on, on Lucas. I, I think that he's a fine player. But like I said, I just feel that, uh, and it's similar over in Can Barça where you know, these players that have been around for the good days and now also going through the bad days that you know it's it's at some point there has to be a change of guard and a three-year contract renewal uh seems excessive all all valid points all good rebuttals i would flip it and by the way like you mentioned that you and i have discussed this um so yeah just to reiterate to the fans listening i've been vocal many times in the past that those vasquez minutes should have been allocated to to other players. Uh, and a lot of this, the, the notion of Vasquez as a hard worker is not untrue, but it also, uh, it felt a little bit too, too much of a fallback answer because there's a lot of players who play that position who are also hardworking, like Rodrigo, yeah. who is incredibly hardworking exactly. and, and does a lot of good Love things defensively. So, yeah. but having said that, I would flip it now, now that I've seen what Vasquez can do at the right back position, that's because uh, he's much more reliable now than Odriozola has mm -hmm. been, right? Interesting. So hmm. I would I would rethink of it as like, can he now take on a Jesus Navas role to Carvajal as a backup, where okay. you have him as insurance of the right back position? Um, the hmm. other thing I would say is that the discussion, the discourse changes for me a little bit now that Zidane is gone because I feel like if you have Lucas Vasquez in the squad while Zidane is the manager then you get too many minutes allocated to him. I feel like if Zidane is not here, he won't shoehorn in Vasquez all the time and will use right, him right. differently. So I, okay. I think that's worth noting. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So now question is, you know, and I want to relate this to Barca in a lot of ways. But I don't want to talk about Barca. I still no, no, have no. some Madrid. No, no, not about Barca. Not about Barca. But I just want to make a quick parallel. Um, okay. You know, just the Barca's old core that were, has been criticized so many times during all those Champions League exits. The idea of like, you know, too comfortable under Valverde. They needed someone to kick their ass a little bit. Is Ancelotti the guy who's going to kick the ass of the old core? Or is he yeah, going to right. just reconnect with them instead? Is Ancelotti mm. the guy who's going to revolutionize the team? And the word revolutionize mm. here is not... I don't think... You can't revolutionize the squad that dramatically given the financial landscape. It's going to be... But I think the, the, the revolution needs to come with ideologies, refreshing takes, refreshing views of looking at football and using the squad. Um, incorporating the players on loan, incorporating the younger players. So somebody like Raul would have naturally revolutionized that. Carlo, I don't see him doing that. 
I don't know if he's the guy to do that. I really, I'm not sure. Unless he, unless he comes in and he's able to detach himself from the relationships he has with those older players, I don't know if you're going to get that revolution. That's my concern. Yeah, I, I think that's, again, a very uh, accurate and astute observation. It's It seems that here in Spain, there's a saying, you have coaches that are that prefer the mano dura method, the hard hand method, or mm-hmm. mano blando, mano, uh, the, the soft hand method. And uh, I think both Zizou and Carlo Angelotti kind of fall under the softer approach as opposed to the harder approach. And really from what I've seen, uh, and you'll know this much better than me, of course, from Raul is Le Gusta Dar Caña, right? He, he's a little bit more um, of a hard hand uh, enforcer, let's say, mm-hmm. um, than the other two coaches that, that were pretty mentioned. And, and, and often, I think more often than not, at least in Can Barça, that's the case. It's, there seems to be these tendencies um, where it's always one extreme or the other, you know? Um, I'm just trying to think of it like Fanjao went out and in came not immediately, but Fanjao left and in came Frank Rijkaard. It's like uh, you had <laughs> one extreme, uh, very intense man. Um, now, obviously, when he exited, uh, we had Serra Ferrer. There was a list of disasters, but eventually we ended up with, um, and, and of course, uh, oh, shit, what's this? Uh, the old uh, Atletic. Atletico coach uh, Antich as well, rest, rest in peace. Uh, but eventually, you know, the more long-term coach the, the, was uh, Frank Reichardt. And of course, Frank was a completely more chilled out approach, uh, much more of a players oriented uh, uh, manager, relatable to that, much more comparable, I would say, to a, to a Zizou in that sense. Uh, and then we went to a Pep Guardiola. Again, we flipped the pancake around and in comes a coach that is extremely intense, demands a uh, hundred and something percent from his players, not just in the games, but practices as well, uh, is on top of their ass when it comes to their diets, uh, what they eat and drink, whatever uh, they fuel their body with. He was, you know, obsessively sort of um, um, uh, monitoring it. And um, and then when, when Pep Guardiola, when his reign came to an end. It was Tito, right? It was his right-hand man. It was a more uh, a softer-spoken person. May he rest in peace as well, of course. Uh, but it seems that we had been kind of flipping back and forth between these uh, types of characters. Um, your your more authoritarian type of uh, coach and uh, the more laid-back style. And um, Madrid here, it seems in this case, they seem to be... Uh, opting for more of uh, well another laid back and, and and a softer approach and and I don't know look I as a fan I think what we want to see and and you might have a different opinion but I certainly am of those that uh, set sets of fans that is easily swayed and of the opinion that you know after a soft coach you want to have an enforcer you want to have a military type dude you want to have a commander like a drill sergeant that is screaming orders and gets these players that are earning millions into shape and off their lazy asses you know i i am and then <laughs> when that doesn't seem to be working out i then quickly changed my opinion again to uh, the more softer approach and i guess you know at the end of the day whatever it's it's, it's successful uh, you mentioned it yourself as well it always seems to end badly uh, because success is uh uh it's very difficult to maintain um as Greif famously said once you know reaching the top is is, is 
easy, relatively easy, but maintaining the top, that's really the hard part. And uh, yeah. I guess they're, you know, the different philosophies is, are both good approaches, but I think you, I, I do tend to think, and, and, and tell me if you agree with me or not, Kian, I do tend to think that after one extreme, it, it what really tends to kind of, you know, get the players out of a funk is an extreme other approach. It's you know the cold water hot water it's like uh, that that sort of shock is is what what is needed otherwise i think the players have a tendency to kind of be like ah it's it's another buddy of ours hey okay we'll we'll run around the field in just a minute but let me just finish this bubble bath because this is real nice right now yeah that's an interesting point i uh i don't know if there's one right answer either way but i think it really depends on the time and what you need i I don't think there's one completely correct approach that you're going to copy and paste. Everyone has their methods. Yeah. My, uh, one of my yeah. favorite quotes from my friend, uh, really good friend, uh, Eduardo Alvarez, who's a Real Madrid socio, he, he called Jose Mourinho unnecessary evil that the club needed at the time because the club right. was just, right. He had no confidence. The morale was low. They were up against Pep's bar. So they needed like somebody to come in and be like, yo, we got this shit. Let's create a brotherhood us against them, us against the world. You know what I mean? The Pistons, they, they became the Pistons bad boys. They adopted yeah. that, that personality, right? Of, of being the bad guys. Yeah. Uh, so, but then that ran, ran its course, right? And that, if you can't sustain that for five years, his after, by year three, it was, it just was like a cancer. It infiltrated. So it, but it was like, ah, ah. so it was necessary, uh, yeah. Again, I love the term necessary evil, but the club yeah. really needed some calmness after that. And Carlo was the perfect guy for that. <laughs> no distractions, yeah. Yeah. put your head down, work, humility, respect, mm. right? And so <laughs> totally. it's definitely, uh, it's an interesting way of looking at it. Um, so, but I see, I, I really think it has to be the right person. That's the thing. Like would Conte's methods have worked with this team? I don't know. Um I feel like, and again, completely justifiable to say that Conte would have been a better choice than Raul. I don't dispute that. But I do feel like Raul's approach from a pure psychological level actually would have connected with the players better than somebody like Conte would have. Um, so again, it's an interesting thing. Um, it's an interesting Would phenomenon. you have liked Conte? Would, would, that, would that raise I, some pulses in you I in didn't a positive hate way? It. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Hmm. Uh, again, I think Conte would have had his pros and cons. I think Conte has... Uh, a way of playing that I don't know if there's a plan B to his methods. I th- I'm not sure how he would have used the wingers if he would have been able to get the best out of them. Um, yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a bunch of things, but his resume from a domestic standpoint speaks for itself and Real Madrid desperately needs a league title. So second. I think it couldn't have gone right. either way with Conte. My Again, my rule is everything ends in disaster. <laughs> That's Everything just blows up at the it's, end. It's true though. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. Yeah. By the way, underrated because even even in this case i mean is is it i'm still kind of unsure um i know that zizu supposedly communicated to the dressing room that he wanted to leave but then he denied that then he submitted a letter so at the end uh, benzema did, cruz did he, also denied it so 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 did he get fired or did he leave like wh- which one of the two was it no uh, I, you know was it I'll, I'll give you honestly the my honest assessment of what happened is that he didn't get fired he left on his own initiative the club wanted him to continue, but they also weren't up in arms about him oh. leaving. 
they weren't, you know, they didn't right, fight okay. him leaving. I, it was like, okay, well, they kind of knew it was getting, something was getting stale and something needed a new direction, but they also weren't going to push him out either. That's my honest. Uh, but but things between the relationship between Zizou and, and Papa Flo is, is not gravy baby at the moment. It's definitely not at its peak. <laughs> but I also don't think it's irrepar- irreparable either. Hmm. I mean, look, Florentino is cold blooded. He does never. He has never let emotion get into yeah. his business making decisions. Say that again. This is a oh, guy boy. like like a cyborg can fire Ancelotti and then bring him back like nothing happened. So he, I mean, <laughs> even Raúl, even you know, get rid of a legend like Raúl and then bring him back. Hierro um, was kicked out later on. Came back to work within the club alongside Florentino. Um, mm. It's business. I'm not saying it's right or wrong to treat people that way. I'm just saying it is what it is. A lot of people asked me on Twitter yesterday or this morning. Um, can Florentino recover from Zidane's letter? I'm like, are you kidding me? This guy is like, <laughs> he's already <laughs> no. forgot about it. He's like, oh. What do these people expect? He's like, oh, they think a they letter. Think- oh, that's cool, man. Anyways, Ancelotti, give him a call. <laughs> That's why he's a cyborg. He doesn't care about this shit. A letter. I I haven't received one of these in like forty five years. Yeah. They think that Florentino is like like a teenage girl uh, with his head in the pillow, stuffed into his pillow in his bed, crying about this letter, reading it over and over again, trying to uh, decipher certain messages and interpret it another way. That that is definitely not Florentino Perez. Yeah. Uh, he got over this real quick. Correct. For sure. If he even needed to get over it. Um, Mm-hmm. That's why he is uh, the businessman he is. So, uh, yeah, underrated, before I forget. Now the Classico is the ex-Everton manager derby. <laughs> History is made. <laughs> Very important. Well, that's if Kuman stays on. I mean, today we had a, a lengthy, another lengthy Joan Laporta press conference at uh, Eddie Garcia's uh, presentation, of course, where he was again pressed about the matter. And you got to give this guy credit. I understand why he became a lawyer uh, <laughs> as his main day job, uh, because it's a profession that he uh, executes very well. Uh, his ability to give answers and give you two answers in, in, in one response is uh it's pretty remarkable and it makes uh the translating of it also quite challenging well so tell me more about the presentations then because you presented eric garcia yesterday or today no today today today. yes yes today so really nice really nice kid man i i i'm astonished you know when ever I get to sit down with these guys, uh, these younger guys in particular, and, and you know, they're 18, 19, in, in, in the case of Eddie Garcia, 20 years old, they come across as so mature. Uh, in particular, Eddie Garcia has a very, you could see he has a good head on his shoulders, he's surrounded by good people. Uh, um, I think he's an innate leader. He's got uh, qualities, leadership qualities that that are certainly there. In fact, and and that was something new that I uh, found out today in preparation of the interview with him. Everywhere he played, um, with the exception of Manchester City's first team, of course, he was in fact the captain. So when he um, 
sign on to uh, the Alevin, the, the youth ranks, the youth academy at the uh, ripe age of six years old. He became quickly the captain of that team and was the captain for another 10 years until he left when he was 16, 17 years old, uh, 16 years old, excuse me. And uh, of course, now he <laughs> will not be wearing the armband, the captain's armband neither. But uh, my point being is that, you know, I, I, Barca got a leader again and uh, a very uh, a player that's mature, um, a good kid who I'm really anxious to see play a, a whole lot more because truth be told, uh, I haven't seen him play all that much. I've, of course, I've seen the highlights of his times at Barca. I've seen the odd uh, Premier League highlights as well. Uh, the two or three matches with the Spanish national side. But apart from that, I have not been able to see him play full matches on a regular base. Um, another big reason for that is, of course, when he decided that he was not going to resign his contract, Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola openly said, well, uh, that's I respect that decision, but it does mean that you will not be playing because I'm, I have other players in that position that are here for a longer period of time. It makes no sense for me to you know, uh, cultivate your progress uh, on my team if eventually you're going to leave. So that was his good uh, decision to make. It was in his right to, to, to make that decision, as was Eric Garcia, of course, to uh, uh, not accept a contract renewal. In fact, I think it's very brave. And again, it speaks volumes of this uh, young defender to make such a tough decision being surrounded or... or you know, being in a club where and, and surrounded by superstars as well as a coach that uh, I'm sure can be pretty, if not convincing, persuasive. Um, and, and, and well, I'm effectively saying the same thing, am I not? But but by persuasive, I mean uh, putting a lot of pressure perhaps on him as well. I, I would imagine if Eric Garcia was would be playing for PSG, he probably would have been forced to sign a contract extension. Uh, so good on the kid for holding out and, and opting not to play um, for pretty much a year. I mean, pretty much a year. Uh, he was sidelined and not getting, not enjoying very many minutes. So I'm pretty sure that he's, he's anxious to get out on the field, uh, prove his worth. And, and he must be a pretty damn good player if given all of these conditions that I just laid out, Luis Enrique still decided to uh, bring him along to the Euro Cup. So again, very, very excited for this signing. It's obviously a position where we needed to strengthen the squad. Uh, problem now is we've got six central defenders, Kian, six. So we got to see some offloading happen at this point as well with all the talks of more players coming in. Wijnaldum. Um... You know, we've got to see some offloading at this point as well. We'll be interesting to see what they can do, if anything, with Umtiti's contract. That's uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Eric Garcia, listen, I, I haven't seen him play much. A lot of Metro City fans seem happy to have him move on. Uh, okay. Where did you had, get that? Just just the internet. <laughs> just uh, people... Just he hasn't had a good place. season. Lovely place that internet. He hasn't had a good season at Manchester City this past season. Oh, he didn't play. He didn't play. But and when he did, I, I think he, he wasn't great. Again, I, I don't shoot the messenger. Maybe I shouldn't even brought that up because I'm not sure. But um, uh, I have question marks over how that if if he is, you know, the captain you speak of. I will give you a word of caution that I had a similar uh, parallel with Jesus Vallejo who captained Real Zaragoza at the age of 18, went to Frankfurt, was a leader, then has just been a disaster ever since. So um, 
I don't know. We'll see. I think you guys still need a leader in the defensive back line, you know, in the transition in the meantime. Even if Eric Garcia turns into that player, can Araujo be that player? PK is um, getting up there. I think you guys are still missing the leader, right? The current leader, anyway. Um, who's going to be this, that guy? There's a, there's a clear change of guard, though, happening over in Cambarsa, which we're not seeing so much uh, with Real Madrid. I remember a stat that stood out for me from the last Clásico, uh, one of many, but the one that I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting here is the, the average age group of the two teams, where normally Barca were always quite uh, some years older uh, than Madrid, and that has this season drastically uh, changed yeah. and 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 yeah. you know almost been cut in half. You're looking at players the likes of your Elishas, your Pedris, your um, I mean even Frankie, your your Ansus, your and now um, Oscar Minguez, Araujo, and now of course uh, Eric Garcia as well. You know there there's there's a clear sort of um, emphasis and focus on the rejuvenation uh, of this aging squad and and I think again bringing in players like this who you know you say or you said that the internet says had a bad season uh, again I think a lot had to do with the fact that as Pep Guardiola openly said I'm not going to play a player that uh, is, is, is not going to play for me in X months time and on top of that uh, still got chosen to join the Spanish squad for the Euro Cup so um, you know, there, there's there's clearly good good qualities there. There's good football there. Yeah, a player that 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 plays you know the ball out from the back has got great scoring abilities. Uh, his top goal scoring season was ten goals. None, none of those were from penalties or, or or set plays or free kicks or any of that. Um, so I, I think you might be pleasantly surprised. Again, keep an eye on Eddie. Garcia. I mean, if if he does well, I'm not pleasantly surprised. I'm. <laughs> What's the opposite of, what's the antonym of pleasantly surprised? <laughs> Shocked with horror. <laughs> yeah, okay, I'll take that. I'll take that. What do you, what do you make of, what do you make of El Kun? I, did you see, did you see any of the press conference of Kun when, when he was asked about Messi, obviously staying no. and now that he's there, it was very funny, man. It was very amusing. It's just really? everybody was cracking up. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because he was, you know. Well, I, I kind of feel like these Barca transfers aren't bad. They're not, there's nothing inherently wrong with them. They are, in theory, strengthening the squad. But I'm just not sure it moves the needle that much. Like, you know, we've seen different iterations of Kuhn and Messi together in Argentina. They haven't meshed well. Not to say that they can't at club level, but, you know, I, you know he is obviously an upgrade to Braithwaite. I also wonder who loses in the front three, do you think? Who gets benched? Are you allowed to say that? I have no idea that that'll be for someone or the manager to decide. Good political answer. What about what, <laughs> what about Memphis? Is uh, what's the situation with him? Are you allowed to say that? I I I, I, I no. I'm honestly no. I mean, I I can say you know, I, I with all certainty that I'm uncertain. <laughs> I'm more certain about another player who I uh, whose name I whispered previously. In hindsight, I think better than having to sign Aguero now, it would have just made more sense to keep Suarez. You rob it's the money, though, bro. It's the money. It's the money. That's what people seem to be forgetting. What, the, the salary? Mo- you think he would have cut? Yes, the salary. It was ginormous. And, this, and not just that. It's also, for me, it's, it's two things. You got the salary factor, and then you have the... 
the, the the being settled factor, if that makes sense. Like the the I've been here so long. Who are you? What are you gonna tell me to do? I'm used to my ways. I know my way around. Who the cares? Let him talk the shit. You you probably would have won the yeah. league title with him this season, and you don't have to sign Kuhn. And he's a better fit Look, with Messi. It's 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 an argument that that is interesting to debate. I'm more inclined to say maybe because I just have to stick to my guns, but that moving Swadith off was you know the right decision at the time because, and I, I don't think he should have been the only player. You know, obviously we got uh, was it Vidal went, Rakitic went, all these players had to go. Yeah. Um, but well, those but guys were definitely play- dead weight. Yeah, but more players like that, you know, needed needed to be changed. Um, yeah, so my my feeling on that is that I'm not sure how much Barca actually do improve. I, I are we getting a little bit carried away? I mean, these are fine signings. I, again, and I, I still struggle with Wijnaldum a little bit, and I really like Wijnaldum. I actually think he's a really good. He's a player that I like watching Liverpool. He's a player that I watch in, with the Dutch national team, and I've enjoyed him. I just right. don't know if that's what you know. That's the priority right now. So I'm not saying they're bad signs. I'm that. just not sure how much they move the needle. That's all. I get that. I, I understand your concerns. I uh, share most of those concerns. I appreciate your concern for uh, my beloved club, and um, I will say that I do get a sense that most culés here in Barcelona, at least I don't know about on the internet, but here. Um, in the Ciudad Condal are very excited for Kun Agüero mainly because <laughs> they take it as a given now that of course finish that thought um, well and that's really what excites a lot of us That, that and obviously I, I can't really say it in case they can come back to haunt me but yeah we'll save it for Friday by the way yeah. speaking of Friday um, when I did my solo podcast, because you were uh, yeah. doing your your much more important thing, commentating the Basketball. Barca Euro League, awesome stuff. Yeah. The clip is on Diego's Twitter um, and Instagram. Thank you for for your shout out. I appreciate it. That, that was yeah, cool. that was good. Some people thought it was you just just promoting yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. That was funny. Um, so I had to navigate by myself the whole Kuman thing on Friday because oh. I recorded it right after Laporta said his thing and then Kuman said his thing and said, I'm okay, I'm not in the hospital. And then, and then Wasserman, <laughs> Netherlands said their thing where they, they compared the oh Kuman gosh. thing to marriage. Uh, <laughs> and then they deleted <laughs> that tweet. So I had to navigate all that by myself. Um, oh boy. So... Let me, because I know you can only say so much about that publicly, but just navigating uh, right now, the it seems to be we're in the stage that Laporta is kicking the tires with other managers and seeing if he can find anything better. And uh, is there again the managerial pool right now is not that exciting. I'm just not sure what yeah. they're waiting for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, he, look, he, I, I can I can report what was said today in the press conference. Okay. Today, when he was pressed about the matter, they said, okay, but right now, because you keep giving us this, you know, political answer where you sort of say uh, we're in conversations, things are going really well, but we need this period of reflection and unified criteria, et cetera, et cetera. This one uh, a journalist said, you know, if, if one is he's staying and two is he's leaving, where is your decision closer to, to the one or to the two? 
Does that make sense? This analogy again, I'm, I'm, I'm translating here, but that, that was the analogy. Okay. And Laporta stopped himself in his shoes, looked at the journalist, smiled and said, I'm probably closer leaning to one as in Kuman hmm. staying. So respect that he's honest about it. Respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, most most yeah. presidents would have tried to avoid the question completely. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, whether for for better or worse, he's at least honest about it. Um, so, one to to clear up again: one is Kuman, one is Kuman staying, and two is Kuman leaving. Yeah. Well, could you imagine if he said he's leaning towards two? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That would have exactly. just erupted. Yeah, yeah. That would have been. <laughs> so I, I mean, what else yeah. can I say? But I I, I, yeah. I actually believe him. I, I think that is probably the most realistic scenario at this point. You know, it would have been different if, if like right now the manager selections, like we were you were choosing between Ten Hag as a free agent. Um, who else do you guys have orgasms over? Uh, who else? Who else? Actually, who else? Ten Hag, Pep, Xavi, Pep, Xavi, Xavi, yeah, uh, Setien. You guys, uh, you guys loved well. Setien for like for like twenty four hours there. No, I still, I mean, I, there's still a core of us that, that still felt like he should have been given more time. And I, I include myself in that uh, in that equation, not with necessarily this entire group of, of players. But anyway, that, that that's, I don't want to get into that. Yeah. Uh, who are we orgasming over and having <laughs> wet dreams over? Um, you know, there's um, a lot of people like Klopp. Um, Klopp would actually be amazing for what you oh, guys. Uh, what's his name? Coño, the German guy. Flick. Flick. Thank you. Flicky. Yeah. yeah. None of those options are uh, are feasible right now, though. Mm. So it is what it is. Um, all right. So what else do we need to discuss? Anything? Uh, I think that's 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 good for me. I had a long day. Uh, as your, I don't know how your day is looking, but. Uh... <laughs> so right now the plan is, I always. Forget about food. And I, you know me, I usually, I just, it's like 10 p.m. and I haven't had a single calorie yet. So I'm going to figure out food right now. Mm. And then I'm going to be with my kids for a couple oh. hours. Okay. Yeah. What you're I need to mention something, especially given more important our, than what I'm saying. Go for it. Our, 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 our fantastic and loyal patron, yes. um, was it Island Girl? I believe her name was. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. Shout out to the Barcelona team, Triplete, of course. For sure. Uh, for sure. The great achievement of uh, Barça Femini, uh, also for Barça Club now, Barça being the only club to have won the treble with the men's and the women's team. So a fantastic achievement on the night where Barça basketball lost out on the EuroLeague. And then right when I finished that game and I was heart torn, I had to quickly run into another booth to start uh, uh, covering the triumph of uh, the Barca women's team. And that was a strange dynamic. I'm not going to lie. I had a hard time going from being and and heartbroken to then, you know, lifting my spirits and seeing Barca uh, Femini lift the, the Copa de Reina trophy and, and, and winning the treble. But uh, that, 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 is neither here nor there my feelings have nothing to do with this the fact that this uh, fantastic achievement was uh um 
yeah, was or this 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 feat was achieved by the Barca women's team is of course a historic one and uh, one to be celebrated at least mentioned and uh, it got it got it was the final was against Levante Barca went up three nil Levante pulled two goals back also the Levante women's team uh, doing justice there to uh, that fantastic club that seems to be punching above uh, their weight uh, also in the uh, women's division. Um, you know, reaching the final and then making life uh, uh, quite uncomfortable for Barca in that final. It was 3-2, could have gone down on the wire, but eventually Barca pulled through uh, the final score being 4-2. And, and yeah, the trophy and the trouble coming home. Big congrats to them. Thanks for bringing it up. Um, what is, uh, is Barca out of the EuroLeague now? I don't really know how that works. It's finished. It, no, that was the final. That was it's, the final. We lost the okay. final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so on to another season. But the I, ACB league, of course, is still going. So there's still the league, the national league to win. Right. To be won. And in that, uh, how, how are we doing there? What's Real Madrid situation? Barça Madrid, you know, neck and neck, of course. Oh, okay, so I'm looking at it now. Yeah, number one and two. Um, how the hell do these... Okay, so we're 36-34. You guys are 36-32. Why are we first place? Oh, because you guys had... Oh, no, 36-2 and... Two, and you guys are 36 and four. Oh my God. That is just dominant, utter, just domination. 36 <laughs> wins. No, sorry. 34 wins and two losses for Real Madrid. It's like Golden State Warriors type shit. It's going to go down to the playoffs. The playoffs will be interesting. That's really when it gets, uh, gets testy and crunch time starts. Yeah. Um, NBA playoffs have been amazing this year, by the way. I don't know if you mm, uh, care to uh, stay up because the time difference is really tricky for you. It's even yeah. tricky for me, especially those West Coast games. But the two LA series um, have been super fun. Knicks, Hawks have been super fun. Um, what else? I mean, basically everything else is kind of a bloodbath. But um, yeah. So I think tonight, I catch up. tonight is uh, Lakers, Suns. Huge game. No AD. Oh, cool. Lakers in trouble. All right, so let's... Uh, Are they in trouble? It's 2-2. Oh. Game five fantastic. is tonight, and Anthony Davis is out. Okay, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Nice. Yeah, I got I got Now that I have a bit more time, I want to get back into the, the playoffs for sure, the NBA playoffs. Well, that game actually might work for you. 11, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 a.m. your time. Eh, you have kids. You got to be up early. It's doable, but yeah. You can I'll, do. I'll with, watch it in a rebroadcast. Yeah, I'll, I'll tape it. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thanks, Diego. We'll be back Friday over on Patreon.com/slash If you guys, the rule is, if you guys have stayed this long in the podcast and you're with us still, that means you like us. It is no debate. You're in. You like us, whether you want to admit it or not, and that means you need to come and join us on the Friday yeah. party. Patreon.com/slash and if you like us as much as you stay tuned, then uh, I think the minimum pledge is $3 American. So um, that's totally worth your time. And you're going to get value of it. We promise you, we guarantee it. So come over and join us on patreon.com slash churros Follow us on Twitter at churros tacticas. And we will catch you guys on Friday. Thanks, Diego. Take care, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Ben. Peace. Sports Social Podcast Network.